My name is Justin Hurd. My name is Nathan Steinman. Skyler Deal. So, uh, yeah, we're here. We made it. For the consummation. <laughs> the, c- <laughs> <laughs> the consumption. So, so Justin apparently wants us all to go balls deep. Why not? Or, you know, whatever <laughs> appropriate euphemism for... <laughs> For ha- us apparently having sex on the podcast instead of talking about what we've consumed, because that's consumption. Your mic did kind of flop around over there. <laughs> Justin doesn't know the difference between consummation and consumption. You know, I, I spell check dictionaries. Yeah, dictionaries, spell check motherfucker. Puts it perfectly Dictionary. fine. But I do need to go uh, check my book real quick. Okay. <laughs> So, um, what have you guys been up to recently? It's been a while since we've actually had one of these. Hey, let's check in. How's it going? All right, yeah. Let's uh, get our radio DJ voices on and let's uh, let's really spin the tunes. uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, I've I've been working a lot, but I've also had the uh, friend of mine uh, who has a doctorate in uh, literature. Has t- I agreed to look at some of my shitty plays. Ooh. So I sent her. Uh, I, I one one I started typing because I'd forgotten that I hadn't typed it, and I've been rewriting it. So that's going well. I actually have to completely fix the second half because now the second half doesn't work because the characters are more developed. You know. Right. You know the the, the problem with revising. Yeah, yeah. Is, is you the, go. The, this is a better i this this idea doesn't work anymore because see, th- these characters are too different than because originally the ending was way more childish and puerile and I can't I can't do that anymore because the character isn't as childish even though he's young so <laughs> it's kind of one of those things but I'm excited because I'm actually going to get some real critical feedback. Ooh, it's it's a, it's awesome. Cool. Yeah, the the problem I've always run into with revising is, at least with novel stuff, is if you start editing at the beginning, by the time you get to the end, your beginning sucks again. Because so, you're, but your ending, your ending fucking rules. Right. So so what I've <laughs> what I've thought about doing is starting trying, at the end. No, starting at the middle, because I know where the story's going, and work through that, and then go back to the beginning after I finish the end again, and that way. Or you could just Tolstoy it and just write the beginning 80 times and yeah, then you know. go from there. Yeah. You know? I think that's kind of what happened with my book is that I rewrote the beginning so many fucking times. It's like, this is magic. <laughs> you, get, you get later on, you kind of go, ah, it's okay. Eventually, you got to get it out. So. It's, it's not a, in the best of times, in the worst of times. <laughs> you know, It's not that, but it's better than that. It's better mm. than it could be. Right. <laughs> So, Skylar, what have you been up to? 
Uh, me and my wife just celebrated our second year anniversary. So last weekend we went down to uh, Houston. My uncle lives right on Kima, near Kima Boardwalk, 30 minutes from Galveston, like right there. Awesome. And during that Hurricane Ike, they were actually still living there on their yacht at the time. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Must be the whole area didn't look like anything happened to it, but he told me everything happened to it. He said that water was like so high off like imagine you can't imagine it being that high and that whole Kima boardwalk was just demolished which it's all been rebuilt the guy who owns Kima boardwalk owns places like uh um i don't know all those restaurants that you see everywhere i think maybe salt grass and places like that uh-huh. you know so this is the Kima boardwalk where they shot that uh the the movie about the robert the guy from the jinx Stuff oh, where he not. threw the body off. Right, right. Whoa. Um, all the good things. All the good, yeah. Or all good things. All good he things. was in. Where was he at in real life? He like, was in Galveston when he killed <laughs> when he killed the old man. Dang, you know what's interesting about that? We went to Galveston. Rogers, sorry. Yeah, Rogers, we went to Galveston and drove to the very end of the island, and it's like abandoned beaches around there because of that hurricane just tore everything up. And coming back from there, driving along the coast and seeing their boardwalk and amusement park there, I was thinking in my head, man, if I could like write a really cool like crime novel story and it's all focused on Galveston Island during Hurricane Ike and everything's cut off and you can't leave the island and you got to find out who the murderer is and the big storm's coming. Coming soon. Yeah. Skylar Deal's first novel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun hanging out. We went to the Space Museum. I've never been there before. Uh, and um, I mean, That's something I need to go down to yeah. for. Space Museum is pretty neat. Go to NASA. Yeah. NASA? NASA, right there. Lots of lots of real rich NASA people live right there off of Galveston Bay in the Kima area. Own million-dollar homes right there on the shoreline, you know. Taking the boat around. You can just hop right in. <laughs> Throwing them dice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was the big thing that's happened recently. Um, seeing movies, and I'm gonna try to do another painting. I have an idea. It's gonna be kind of a tribute. Um, my wife uh, was pregnant. Unfortunately, she had a miscarriage. So we're gonna. I'm gonna do a painting, kind of a memorial. Memorial. Yeah, I guess you know, kind of in that thinking about our kids, which we named. Apparently, she was going to have twins so uh i'm not trying to bring it down or anything but okay. I, I like to yeah, draw and good. paint so i was going to kind of try to do that that's kind of an idea i had recently to so to do something like that yeah but that's uh the anniversary was a lot of fun and saw star wars earlier today to my little brother see it so that's number four four times i've seen star wars He's on the he's on his roll. What, what what is it you're going for? Five. I want to go for five at least. How many times you see the Phantom Menace? I can't remember. I I would say nine, but I might be exaggerating. It's got to be four or five also. Yeah. The thing about this is, the more I see this movie, the more I love it. In Phantom Menace, the more it just got worse. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. oh. Well, we'll 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 end up having our Star Wars discussion. We've been promised that. Yeah. Have, an, have another one, which is yeah. fine. We, yeah. You know, get another opinion on there. Yeah, um, especially because opinion from someone who's probably other than Dave, the biggest Star Wars fan. Yeah, of our kind of group. So, <laughs> uh, so Justin, what have you been up to? 
playing with yourself? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, he's been mass texting. He's, I've been, he's, I've he's been, been rubbing one out. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, I um, have been doing karaoke way too much. Pretty much every single night so, I don't have my kids. So you, you've been binge karaoke? Not even joking. It, it, seriously, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Jesus. Yeah. So next thing you know, you're gonna be singing in tune, and you can't go there anymore. Well, <laughs> I, I, I tend to do metal karaoke, so that's never really gonna be a problem. Um, what kind of metal? Like I, who? I mean, I, it's you know Slipknot, Disturbed, you know uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Um, I did Mudvayne the other day. Never could get into Five Finger Death Punch. So There's you, only a few songs that I... You've been I've, doing new metal karaoke. Some new metal, yeah. Um, hey. <laughs> you know, I, actually, I do... You, find, <laughs> you metal. In I, you, man. DJ voice going big. I do find it funny. Um, <laughs> I did Danzig's Mother. Nice. Did it accurately, and one of my friends, no, do it like this other person does it. I'm <sighs> like, I haven't seen her do it. He goes, well, she screams. I'm like... Well, I did it how Danzig does it. He goes, no, I don't want that. I want how she does it. I'm like, I don't... <laughs> I will. N- I can only satisfy the urges I have. Right. I'm like... <laughs> so I watched her do it, and I'm like, okay, I understand now, but it's still, that's how she does it, not how I do it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm all over the place with music, everything, you know. Yeah. Ben Folds, I like doing... Nice. A uh, new metal cover of... <laughs> Um, Taylor Swift's Blank Space. Wow. Which is a lot of fun to sing. <laughs> you know, just one of those. To write your name. Yeah. To write your name. But I'm bummed. Um, so, I've been doing that. I am... I've been... I haven't been sleeping much recently, so... I'm sorry. It's, it's good. But now I'm starting to use that to work on the website and edit my books and try and actually get another book yeah. out. Yeah. My, uh... The... Bouts of insomnia that I've had have usually ended up in YouTube K holes. So, uh, <laughs> oh, dude, you can get lost on YouTube. I know, like, well, I mean, like, I, I'm like, I should be reading, I should be watching a movie, I should be I, doing I, something productive, and well, now YouTube. I, I, what ends up, what actually, what what happens to me is that I finally go check out um, Rob Agar and uh, Collative Learning or Collative Learning, yeah. and end up like going like oh shit he's had like eight videos that have come out or he released the entire big lebowski one for free okay well there goes you know six hours yeah i lost i lost a lot of time on that big lebowski one yeah i was just like okay cool by the end of it i was ready to murder him just because of the repeating image you know him kind of retreading the same stuff as he went through but uh, you know three out of five parts i really enjoyed but I, don't, I I didn't feel that way when I watched it at all. Of was, course not. But who'd you say again? But, uh, collative learning. Collative. Collative learning. Rob Ager. Yeah, Rob Ager. He literally says it at the I beginning of was he every the, video. Yeah. Correct me, please. Is he the one who went on a long thing about um, that Stanley Kubrick movie that we all like? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the Shining. The Shining. Two thousand one. A Space Odyssey. He's done. Massive video. There's a lot of cool YouTubers that do stuff like that, like the frame, the painting guy, every frame painting. There's a guy oh, like uh, Cinefix. If you all, it's ending technically because the company that uh, does that has been supporting the YouTube channel has decided to only make apps now. Okay, as you do. Uh, but they're still 
have videos coming out that they're finishing. Um, but if you haven't checked out, they're kind of the in between every frame of painting and like something like Watch Mojo, where they do <sighs> they do homemade versions of trailers where they like make costumes and right, stuff. Right, yeah, but they also do like what's the difference between the book and the movie? They do uh, you know op- you know top ten opening shots, but when they actually do it. They actually go through like catalogs of film right. and make like legitimate lists, and, as opposed to Watch Mojo, where it's not exactly that academic. Watch Mojo is like calculated to make oh, lists yeah, it's like totally that. clickbait. Dude, they got like, like eight thousand videos or something. Yeah, like they've probably got thirty people making fucking videos at Watch Mojo. You know? Yeah, I, I, it's kind of got to that point with watching um, Rob Agger's stuff that it's just, you know. That I'm getting all the other shitty analyses that are popping up. That I'm kind of like, nope, skip past that one, skip past that one. Uh, you know, you mean like people like Rob Eager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, people like uh, us talking about it. So, but. so the one person who I know you kind of dismissed it because his thing is called "Your Movie Sucks." But I love that guy. <laughs> I will say his actual film analyses are good. His reviews, I don't give a shit about. Yeah, like, Sinecki, New York, dude. His Sinecki, New York one is pretty in-depth. Yeah, he but, hasn't even finished it yet. It's been yeah. that in-depth. My, my problem with it was is that, you know, it's it just the headline is... Your movie sucks. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> hate, let's hate something else. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, it was so funny because at the time you were like the hater of all haters right, on but, the but, podcast, and you were like, "No, don't hate all movies." Um, yeah. I want to suggest a couple YouTube channels since people who do analysis. How about guys who do about stuff about games? Super Bunny Hop is a guy who does really good in depth analysis on games culture. He like tore Konami up to where they wanted to get a video of his band of him talking about Konami. Wow. Him and the gaming historian. Which is really more low key, like humble kind of guy. He just kind of gives you history on various like niche game stuff. Um, and he did a really good tribute to Satoru Iwata, who passed away last year. He was the president of Nintendo. Oh yeah, yeah. And he talks about how where he came from and comes up. The moment so. you said the name, I was like, I know that. I know that. I yeah. Like Nintendo. Okay. Yeah. But <laughs> your movie sucks. Yeah, I found that guy uh, really funny sometimes. His. <laughs> Oh, he, he he makes some good jokes. It's just, you know... Yeah, if he really likes a movie, he'll give a good review. He actually introduced me to a couple of movies I want to see now. Well, and I, I, I think mean, it's one of those things where you, if you're the type of person who, one, makes things, you get to go to film festivals multiple times a year. He goes to TIFF, like, all the time, yeah, I think. The I think he lives up there, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, like, if you actually get to see movies at film festivals on, like us because right. the only thing we have is dead center and there's not a lot of movies that come in from dead center so right but this year i need to definitely check it out better well the the, the i think the reason that i had a problem well i think it was at the same time i was watching these people um called twin perfect mm-hmm. and their thing is oh yeah the, they're they're the fridge logic people yeah um, but they did fridge logic on stuff like the Silent Hill movies. They did this like eighteen part analyses of all the Silent Hill games and the stories and what makes a Silent Hill game and what doesn't. And 
you know, all this stuff, you know, tearing apart the Superman movies because Superman is literally the worst. <laughs> but then they do also have a, we absolutely love these films. Now, they haven't done them for a while, but I believe Perfume Perfume is one of them. Yeah. And it's maybe. like, okay, that's one of my favorite movies. It's yeah. awesome that they're highlighting it and saying it's the essential viewing collection with stuff like uh, Dawn of the Dead, Wreck 2, Never Let Me In, Red State, The Mist, uh, The Collector, and Perfume. And then they you know, do stuff where they go into like Prometheus actually explaining all yeah. the stuff about Prometheus that it actually does make sense as a movie without doing the special fan edit that yeah. we watched. Well, I mean, and that's the other thing is like, I think we all get on our high horses sometimes just because it's... <laughs> what the fuck, Justin? <laughs> Justin just moved his microphone and then danced about it because he's been trying to balance it for like two hours. Uh, you know that YMS guy, if you listen to his first videos, he was really heavily inspired by Red Letter Media. Yeah. And he admits well, that. And Red Letter Media is a great... like. Like I like Red Letter Media. I, uh, <laughs> as I've watched movies that they've actually reviewed, I've watched some of the reviews just because I finally watched the movie. So why not? Right. Uh, the one, <laughs> one of the movies that I didn't watch, but I listened to the review was Unfriended, and the way that they talked about it, where they were like, it actually goes the distance and makes the things look like it does on the internet, and I'm like. Now I'm going to actually have to watch Unfriended <laughs> just because I have to see the filmmaking. I right. Have, well, the, the, the thing know? I heard about Unfriended is it works if you're watching it on your laptop. Okay. Wow. So it's a real piece of 20th... It's a 21st century piece of cinema. Right. It's but a it, full-on 21st century piece of cinema. Right. It's one of those that they put in theaters for when some it, reason. When it should have been just on demand. Right. They should it, just put it on Netflix or something. Right. It should have been something that you just were able to watch on your computer. And it's a, you know it works at that point. But to put it on the big theater screen, it's like, okay, this is kind of weird because I'm supposed to be looking through a screen. And, yeah. and well, and that's one thing Tony Zhao has talked about was like how many truly 21st century films have we had. Right. Like a lot of the great filmmakers, they're making period pieces. You know, because they don't want to mess with all the 21st century crap. You know, they don't want to have to integrate smartphones. I think a lot of that text is messaging, a... or uh, you know, deal with all this, all the meme structures, and a lot know. of that's going into independent video game making. I think there's a lot of independent games that are using 21st century tropes and stuff. There's a game called. Um, Life is Strange, which I would love to play if I had a PS4, but it, it's like an episodic kind of choose-your-own-adventure. It's also on, I believe, it was on, it's on um, Xbox One, I know that. Mm. Um, and, I actually just yeah. played it on there. It's kind of like, in a way, it's like Donnie Darko. Uh, this okay. girl has powers to like reverse time. Well, and, if they ever put it on Wii U, I'll gladly play it. Uh, no, but, you know, NX is coming out maybe this year. It could be on there, hopefully. But... Like I said, a lot of indie stuff games I think are kind of kind of pushing the boundaries as far as storytelling goes that they can't put on film because they just can't wrap their heads around it. Well, the studio good. guys are like, what? Well, it also costs money in specific ways. Like yeah. You have to 
pay intellectual property rights to an app design. And you have to do that for f- all 50 fucking apps you want to use in the fucking movie. Or, you know, the way MySpace the, the way MySpace looked, the way Facebook looks, the way Facebook Messenger looks, the way right. Google Hangout looks. Those are intellectual properties. Right. You know, so you have to pay for them. You know, you can't... And if you just invent your own, people are going to be like, that's not what that looks like. Well, I mean, I think Tony's all, you know, noted it, but... House um, House of Cards is great with the way they use it because they just pop up real quick. You yeah. see the message. It's well, really... Sherlock, Sherlock just integrates the text directly into the frame. You know, but I, I, you know, I think it's a similar, well, different but similar com- conversation with how people are using um, subtitles and are closed captioning now. You know, with translations and stuff, where you have stuff like Man on Fire, where they started moving it around the screen instead of just having it in this one spot, making it visually interesting where you're actually following it or, you know, somebody takes a step and it actually is disappears as a beam moves past them or something like that. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't know they did that. Oh, yeah. It's really, really interesting how they, you know, put stuff into so you're always kind of like, oh, it's over here, it's over here, you know. Okay. Because I haven't checked out House of Cards yet, so I'll have to... It's on my list. <laughs> it's the list, uh, the, of, the the list, list that of keeps the on growing. ever endlessness, ever endlessness. Not even joking. Uh, so, uh, Justin, <laughs> uh, let's uh, do break the routine. And what have you been consuming, Justin? Oh shit! Well, um, I trying to think of what exactly. I guess I went and saw Creed. That was Creed. I liked it. It it's it's a Rocky movie. Yeah. I, I, I have yet to see it yet, but I've heard that they wait they wait to the perfect point where you hear the like it's at the perfect moment. It is. Yeah. yeah, the It's almost like a retelling of the first Rocky movie in a way, right? Well and I mean the thing that's interesting is It's a that, reboot and a remake. Right. And the but And a sequel. Yeah, because it does stick. It's kind of, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Curse of Chucky. It is something new, but at the right moment, they start tying in all the stuff from the previous movies so that it is a part of that, you know, you know, Adrian, it, Adrian's dead, you know, so he's running the restaurant. He goes to Polly's grave, you know, all this stuff. He's the exact same. Rocky is now the exact same age that Ernest Borgnine was. Um, Come on, Rocky. Meredith, Burke. Meredith, Meredith, Burke. yeah, yeah, I'm that sorry. Mick was. I, yeah. So, you know, I just twisted names in my yeah. head. Yeah, and people but, are giving Star Wars so much flack because of kind of doing the same but, thing. But the, the other thing is, is that this the person who did it, the guy who did uh, Fruitvale Station, has Ooh. no n- nobody who wrote this or directed it or anything had any ties to Rocky. Yeah. They just did it because they love Rocky and wanted to put a new entry and, into and it. Ha- and had this pitch idea in their head for, like, fi- he said he had it from high school. Okay. Like I think he they, said that him and his dad kind of came up with it, right? Well, it's, Something a, it's like kind that. of about him and his dad. A yeah. Bit, so. But, it, you know, it's an interesting, they, they, you know, his romance is interesting. Creed's romance is interesting because he's, trying not to trade on his father's legacy. So he goes by his birth mother's last name, goes by Donnie instead of Adonis. 
and that's a cool name by the way yeah adonis, adonis creed come yeah. on yeah it's pretty awesome um that's such a movie name I it, love it, it is yeah it is <laughs> like it's, it's it's one of the few like truly movie names you can really think of recently yeah like uh, when you hear it you're like Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It, it, it I hits, know it hits all those like percussive syllables. It's just well, like, and also well, just the concept of Adonis, the perfect man. You right. know, the idea of the object where he's no longer a person. He's so perfect. He's almost he's just an object. <laughs> but also the fact that it's Apollo Creed's son, so he's the god of light's son too. You know, <laughs> but he's also an unwanted child. So you also tie in. There's so many mythological concepts they were messing with. Just the name, just right. the name. Like I'm like okay, and then just the fact that it's Apollo. Uh, you have Apollo Creed and his son's Adonis Creed. Right. I mean, how much more fucking movie do you get <laughs> at yeah. that point? You know, like. How is Stallone? He's nominated for like Honestly, best supporting actor. It's it's the reason we've liked Rocky. You know, it's it's the same same sort of performance he does. Um, His best Rocky, kind of right. I, I mean, mean, he's bringing it back, doing Rocky. I've, I have heard that people. The, I've heard people say that Rocky Balboa is actually pretty good. Yeah, I, I actually do like Rocky Balboa. Oh, the last one they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did too. He, he comes out of retirement. To yeah, he fight. comes out of retirement. His, still loses. You know, yeah, but I mean that's that's the that's the heart of these. Like, there um, another movie is Real Steel. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. I didn't see it because I just it's actually really good. The robot fighting the, the, movie. Okay, the trailer totally made me thought it was going to be a cheap, shitty. It's and it's not. Fucking it, it is robot fighting. Movie. It is totally worth. It makes it look like Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Yeah, and in reality, the last fight scene is punch for punch. Rocky. <laughs> wow. They just... Re- wow. How did and, they get away with that? I mean, because part of it is is that it's a training robot that has shadow boxing, so at the very end of it... I mean, spoilers for Real Steel, which is a good movie. You should see it. But um, Hugh Jackman's character has to... Like, the kid has been controlling it with remote control. The remote control gets broken, or the function, and the only function that's left is shadow boxing. So Hugh Jackman is shadow boxing on the side of the ring against this other one that's being controlled by this, you know, Japanese fighting team versus a robot who has never lost. <clears throat> and it ends up coming to a split or to a split decision in favor of the robot who's never lost. Like it, it's fucking rocky. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's it, but it's awesome. Um and at the end of that my dad was just like I wish I wanted the robot to win. I'm like, it's Rocky. Do you not get the point? It's about going the distance, <laughs> yeah. not winning the fight. Yeah, you know, it's about yeah. Making it. He took Creed yeah. to the end in the first Rocky movie. Right, and and that's kind of what this one's about too. Is that in this one, like he's trying to prove himself. He's trying not to use the name. Wins a fight, and right before right before the fight, he wins. One of the the trainer of the other guy re- finds out that oh hey, this is. Apollo Creed's son, and Rocky asks him, "Hey, could you not use it?" Like, yeah. he's like, "Yeah, this is a favor to you." It's actually the um, the governor or whatever from um, True Detective season two. Oh, the one who's always drunk that yeah, yeah, Vince yeah. Vaughn always is dealing with. It's him. He's the train. He's the bad trainer who finds oh. out that it's a. Um, Interesting. A, a Don, that he's Adonis Creed, and then after his son loses the fight, he leaks it to the press, wow. so that it do, you know doesn't look so bad on him. 
that he lost to a nobody. Yeah. I heard there's a real powerful moment when he's fighting. Maybe I guess the final fight where he's like, I got to prove that, like that I'm not worthless or something like right, that, yeah. right? He's like, I got to prove that I'm not a mistake. That's pretty powerful, right? Sports movies can kind of tug at your heartstrings in the I mean, right it does way. A really like good that. Job. The the other thing that's interesting is the romance. Like, not to get into all you know spoilers and stuff because there is a big thing that happens with Rocky that is why people are kind of pulling for Stallone now. Yeah. Um, but and to be nominated twice. For the same 40 role, year, forty huh? years apart, right? Playing the same character, but in completely different movies, right? <laughs> it's a Leo Rocky year, <laughs> right? But, right. but um, the thing is, is that his romance is with a girl that has a, she is a musician who has a degenerative hearing loss. So she's already a built-in, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so yeah, so she's trying to get as do as much as she can. Before she goes completely deaf, where he's trying to avoid his yeah okay so there's uh, parallel there's a tons the, of parallel like parallel narratives but also uh, yeah reverse of each other and okay I I've been I've been fighting the urge just uh, just go see it, it it's worth well, it's it because yeah. I, I haven't had the time which right. is why I'm like if I go if we go to the movies I have to see might the way and go catch it at North Park yeah I, th- I think whenever I looked. Um, because I, I saw it like at three o'clock on Sunday. Um, yeah, I had to miss Spotlight too, which I really wanted to see in the theater. Yeah, I, I think. But the too. last time I looked, um, Creed was like at eleven fifty at night. Now, yeah. So if we end right now, you could go see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, the um, I also saw The Big Short, which I believe is the new Adam McKay movie. Yes, which is like him doing a drama. Yes, which excites me to no end because but it's kind of a comedy meta drama. Well, it's always going to have a little bit of comedy because it's Adam McKay, but right. more well, of I mean, a drama than it is. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. But it, it's like Ryan Gosling's character starts out with narrating it, and then he'll they'll do stuff like okay, now to explain financial this financial stuff to you, Anthony Bourdain. I've heard about yeah, that. Yeah, interjections. Here, yeah, yeah, here's uh, Margot Robbie. In a bathtub drinking champagne. Yeah. You know, stuff Which like is, that. It's a reference to Wolf of Wall Street. Right. And then, you know, a ref, you know, reference to this. and then Yeah, and then, you know, they'll do... The, the, the one thing I really do like about it is that the characters will stop, turn to the camera, and say, we really didn't find this in the middle of, you know, find this in the middle of a lobby when we got rejected. Actually, a friend of a friend told him about this opportunity and so we started looking into it so but, but then it will actually play out with them going like oh my god sir you need to leave no we got oh my god you know <laughs> and they still play it out but they've totally like you know ryan gosling's character they provide the actual context combined. a little bit a little bit yeah but so it's kind of uh the way they use the pop-up menus and other guys at the end yeah the end credits of, yeah um, they well, do it like as characters talking to the camera. That's yeah. Okay. Well, and Ryan I'm Go- even more intrigued now. Yeah. Well, Ryan Gosling is like he's at a party and you know talking to these people, and he'll turn to the camera and go, "I would never be at a party with these douchebags." <laughs> like you know, <laughs> st- stuff like that. Um, st- you know, that doesn't annoy you sometimes. The fourth wall stuff. No, I mean I like fourth wall stuff. The uh, only thing that we're fo- we're forty five a- years past. Breaking the fourth wall, so I'm yeah. a little worried about Deadpool sometimes. If it's just kind of like, but I know that's Deadpool. Yeah, so. but I mean, that's the other thing. It's a char- It's a trait of the character. And yeah, right. The the 
one thing I will say that does kind of there's a lot of characters that are in this and it feels at times like you lose characters because there's too many of them right and but, like Christian Bale is the person who figures this out and he he's Christian Bale is Christian Bale Christian Bale is fuck you know <laughs> he's American Christian Bale not British Christian Bale right but he also is supposed to be playing a guy who has a glass eye and so his eye drifts every once in a while while he's in the middle of talking to people. I heard about that, and he did that himself somehow, right? I have no idea. It's Christian Bell. He probably did. So you, <laughs> probably... Want, you, you want to know what probably happened? He probably went to a surgeon <laughs> and had some sort of mock-up thing made so he could put it in his eye that would drift. Yeah, something like that. But it was like a, it was like a contact that like would drift. <laughs> he had magnets he, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> because the thing is, is like okay, the, in the master. Um, Joaquin Phoenix talk, started talking about it in an NPR interview where he had like a dental plate put in his mouth so he could just sound just talk like this very naturally. And, but like he started talking about it and he just shut down because <laughs> he was just like, no one wants to hear this. It's so <laughs> boring. And, and like literally he's supposed to be at, talking about her and like. <laughs> the whole time Terry Gross just wants to talk about the master right. so every time they'll talk about her then she throws another another question about the master and he just doesn't want to talk about it yeah hmm. um, but you know he he's the one who figures it out but then he disappears for a while just to have somebody come in and be pissed off because he predicted it you know two years in the future before the housing market failed in the year 2006. <laughs> so, but so it's all about, you know, like, hey, I'm going to stop you guys from withdrawing money because this is going to mature at this point and people freaking out and suing him and everything. You know, do you need these boxes? No. Okay, get the fuck out. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and Steve Carell plays this guy who's kind of an aven- avenger against injustices in the world sort of thing. And, but everybody's basically, it's a huge numbers movie. So, if, if you know, if you can't get into numbers, fuck off. It, 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 it might not be your bag kind of thing. Right, and, but it was one of those that by the end was just like, fuck. Is and, this, and there's a bit of unreliable narrator going on. Is this the first big film about the financial crisis? I think so, at least about the housing market. And, and it does a great job with actually explaining it, like... Going okay, so they use Jenga blocks. Did they do? Did they explain both credit default swaps and? They do CDOs. They do the credit default swaps. They go into the reason that this was made in the first place. What I, happened I, over? I'm just like I'm. I'm just worried that like because I've watched like six different frontline documentaries on the fucking right. financial crisis. So I'm like. Do I really want to watch a movie about financial crisis and be like? But it sounds like they went meta and like comedy enough that they were like, "No, we understand that you all kind of know what happened, right. or at least have an inkling or an idea. So we're not going to treat you like idiots, but we're also going to explain things." Right, and then they exposition one hundred and one. <laughs> but but they but they do stuff like they use Jenga blocks to and write the like, "Hey, these are." All B loans, or triple B, these are double B, these are rent B, you know, all triple A loans. And the stuff on the bottom is not getting paid, all the A stuff is, and, you know, so this is what's going to happen. And then 
it falls. And then at one point they're starting talking about, oh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically they take some stuff from A, B, and C to make a giant one called D. And then they illustrate it by showing people at a betting table, like these two people are betting and the people behind them go, well, I'm going to bet $50,000 that this person's going to win. Well, yeah, I'll take that bet. And then the next person goes, well, I'm going to bet that those people are going to win. That that woman's going to win based so off that bet. It shows you how dumb the yeah. process is. Yeah. yeah, and then works its way backwards sort of thing. Um, but as I said, it gets a little bit convoluted early on to the point that you feel like you're losing characters. But once all the characters kind of come into play, it does work. Um, I ended up liking it. It took a while for me to get into it, though. Interesting. So, I mean, it, it's it, got good reviews. A yeah. lot of people are into it. It's yeah. kind of a movie like Spotlight. I want to see them both. Um, I actually have no idea what Spotlight is. It's based off it's based off the Pulitzer Prize winning Spotlight. It, you know about it, Nathan? Uh, is that newspaper called Spotlight, or is a section in this Boston newspaper called Spotlight? It, it was a group at at the specific newspaper called Spotlight. called the Spotlight Group. And they go it's after about the them uh, Catholic un, priests. Un, yeah. It's the people who broke thing. the story about Catholic priests. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, and the fact that like they were, that the Catholic Church was covering it up, right? Yeah, like, and, and it's the a procedural. Uh, yeah, and if you like, but it's a, but uh, it's a it's it's a newspaper movie like All the President's Men. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's a great movie, by the way. I mean, I. I, I I wanted to see it in the theater. Yeah. and I missed it, and then they released it, but they only released it at like very specific theaters, and like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it. Right. <sighs> okay. So like I've Whiplash, been... I miss Whiplash in the theater. Spotlight? Twice. Are you talking about Spotlight? Yeah. It's Spotlight. at Crossroads. Huh, I might be able to go see it. So the last thing that I um, have done is I played a game called Until Dawn. Okay. It is a PlayStation Four exclusive. Okay. Horror game. About the butterfly effect. Okay, you were talking about the fact that you played a couple I, I, games. Yeah, I played Life is Strange, which is all about chaos theory and the butterfly effect. And then I played Until Eggs. Dawn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, is that the choose your own kind of thing? Okay, it, okay, it, okay. It's okay. A, like they well, start, that's basically what yeah. butterfly effect is. is you, every choice you make has an impact yeah. somewhere. Yeah, somewhere you don't even realize it has an impact. So what they kind of show on there, I, I've only played it through once and got to that storyline's ultimate conclusion. They say there's over a thousand different endings just based off what... Like what the engine will produce? What what you pick up while you're playing okay. the game. Because it, it is basically, you know, there's elements of Saw, there's elements of Evil Dead, there's elements of, you know, the Wendigo myths. So in a way, is this like a cabin in the woods video game? Kinda. Um, I mean, like where you go, th- you pick the tropes, and based on the tropes, it plays out. In a specific from from way. Wh- from what I've, what I've seen, yes, it's about nine hours long each time you play it. But it's everything from like, um, I mean, there's even a thing that's like, you can do something to turn nature against you. Hmm. Early on, like one of the first decisions you make is you walk up to a friend's um, bag. And their cell phone's hanging out. Do you put it back in the bag or do you look at it? If you and I, I didn't look. I put it back in the bag, and it came up butterfly effect choice. That person trusts you, and it's 
all stuff like that throughout the entire thing. Like at one, like I had four or five people die out of the entire group. Um, it's <laughs> built to change however you play. Like certain characters can die at random points. Wow. Um, like, or you could play the game and save everybody too. There, I'm sure there's a way to do that. Yeah. But it's like one so of this the, sounds like a really complex engine. It is, and it's also meant to be. It's right in that uncanny valley. Like yeah, they, it's like, all mocapped, isn't it? It's kinda? all mocapped. They got um, what's his face, um, Peter Stormare, mm-hmm. okay, um, to play basically your therapist that happens throughout, and he asks you questions which will affect the game as well as the decisions you're making during the game. Basically, what they do is as soon as you start the game, it shows a butterfly, and then it tracks basically I guess the best way I could describe it is the veins through the wings or whatever and it goes off two points and then it becomes four points and then it's just following like okay hey you chose to make this decision so this entire pathway is cut off to you and shows there's basically four main storylines that you could okay based off their thing so they they created limitations of the expectations. well I mean there's tons of stuff in there like so much so that at one point, my character is um, one of the characters I had is exploring an insane asylum. He finds a machete. As he's walking through, he sees like a hand in a box holding a tag, and you grab the tag, and suddenly a bear trap grabs your fingers. So you have the choice of using the machete on your fingers or trying to pry the bear trap open. And as you're doing that, you're also then seeing in third person. Or in first person, somebody else moving around, coming towards you. Wow! And as you start to, pr- I, 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 you know, I, I'm missing a couple fingers. I don't know, if, you know. <laughs> You're like, I, I don't know if I necessarily need to see myself chopping my own fingers off again. You know, whatever. <laughs> I ripped these ones off. Um, so I decided to pry it open, and then it breaks the machete, <laughs> and so you start prying it again, and it breaks again. And the third time, you're finally able to get your finger out, but you don't have a usable machete anymore. Wow. Um, and, you know, just stuff like that. And then it, at one point it goes, oh, hey, here's the butterfly. Here's the effect of you not having a machete is that you cannot deal with this thing anymore. You know, so there's a ton of stuff. There's one point I can specifically think of where I accidentally made the, the wrong choice. But knowing where the story goes after that, because I made that wrong, I'm, you know, it's one of those where you have to choose between two people and choose who you're going to save. And I said I was going to save somebody, and I thought I was choosing who I was going to save, but it killed that person instead. <laughs> and I'm thinking if I killed the other person, it would have become a very different storyline because they hadn't locked anything into place. Hmm. But at that point, because I killed that one person it locked the major that major major pathway through the first half of the game. So it's very interesting, you know, they do like post credit interviews with all the characters that are living and then like complaining about other people and talking about what happened, you know, stuff like that. It's very it is very, very interesting just kind of watching and going like So it's one of those games that technically technically could be played. It's a it's an infinite it's a countable infinity, but it's like an infinite different. Right. It's taking the possibility of what you can do in an engine to create an almost infinite gameplay. 
yeah. So what what it what the kind of thing on here says is that um, <sighs> until dawn is designed to be played multiple times, as players cannot see all the content on all the content with a single playthrough. Each playthrough lasts about nine hours. Um, any choice of action by the player may cause unforeseen consequences. For example, locating a weapon in an earlier chapter may allow the p- player to pick it. Um, pick it down the line when a chase scene leads back to the same room. Throughout the game, players will make difficult decisions during ethical or moral dilemmas, such as sacrificing one character to save another. The butterfly effect system blurs the line between right and wrong decisions, and it is possible for all players for players to keep all eight characters alive, as well as to have all eight of them die, allowing for many different paths and scenarios, as well as offering several different endings for each character. Until Dawn has a strict autosave system to prevent players from reloading a previous save file to an earlier point in the game if they regret an in-game decision they made. Mm. <laughs> um, the only way is to start a new game from the beginning or continue to the end and then start a new game. Huh. Uh, the developer has stated that Until Dawn has hundreds of endings, but that should not be taken literally. Different endings have different variations depending on the combinations of characters alive at the end of the game. So, it's definitely interesting i kind of want it is this is this kind of where gaming's going because i'm not there, a, there much there's a only been a couple of games like this heavy rain um well there's a whole studio that just makes games like that yeah that, and beyond two one. souls yeah. um this game was in development for a long time yeah it was originally well, like it sound, sounds like it had to be because i mean jesus it's, it's so a complex the whole choose your own adventure thing they're they're kind of bringing back some old stuff recently in years like choose your own adventures and then they're actually doing games with real full fmv like they did back in the 90s on the sega cd with people actually acting out in roles like there's this game called her story i guess you're trying to yeah oh her so her story is a detective game i think i've talked about it previously is a detective game this is the one you were trying to tell me about Right. Okay. That so you're you're sitting that at has a, all the videotapes. Right. All the, yeah. Yeah. You're sitting okay. at a computer. I I was actually while you were talking about it, I was like, "What's the name of that game?" Because I meant to play it, and then life. It's on a bunch of best of the year lists. Yeah, it, it, you can get it on. Um, you know. No, no, because I, I, I found mean, it on PC. Your, yeah. Like I found I mean, it. You on can p- even get it. I think on your phone. Um. At least I know it's on iPhone. Not sure about Android based, yeah. but um, the. The thing about her story is that you are watching, you're at a computer terminal, like a Windows 95 sort of thing, searching up, um, what's the word for it? Um, You're using search terms to find videos, and all you're getting are her answers. You're not getting what the question was. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out what the... Right, using search terms and, you know... Yeah, there it is. So there you go. Yeah, four nine nine. You can get it for it's yeah it's five bucks online. But the thing is, is that if you search for a term and it has more than five results, you only get the first five certain results. So then at that point, you have to start narrowing them down. Now it is a set story, um, and the the one thing that people have a problem with is that at one point in the game, you get a thing that says, "Hey, are you satisfied?" Yes or no, and you say yes, and that's the end of it. Like there's no big explanation the mm-hmm. guy says there is an a- there is an active explanation but he'll never tell <laughs> yeah that sort of thing yeah i've missing a lot of these games i only hear about them all like giant bombcast i spent like a whole two weeks almost trying to listen to all their discussions for end of the year best games of the year kind of lists right and 
there's a lot of games that they play that are they sound really cool. A lot of them are indie. A lot of them are PC only too. But Life is Strange is one that stood out. A lot of them liked Until Dawn, but Life is Strange was up there on their list. Yeah, kind of yeah. high. I mean, and the the podcast I listen to, they I actually love their thing. They do like twenty hours worth of podcasting, going through all these different categories and just reasoning out their arguments and everything. But the people who were really for Life is Strange had only completed the first three chapters. Yeah, so they hadn't completed. There were five. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of what held it back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ended up liking what I had done with Life is Strange by the end of it, and I, and I liked all the chapters. Um, just to let you know, Until Dawn was announced in 2012, was set to be released in 2013, was reintroduced in 2014, and came out August of 2015. Not quite Duke Nukem, but it's yeah. that's development. Uh, vaporware almost <laughs> luckily they came out i guess yeah so the the one thing that i did find interesting and you know nathan's never gonna have nine hours to play this but the thing no I'm, i mean it might happen but like it might the, be like one of those things where you're like hey guys what do we uh well what are we doing we're gonna make you play this for, for eight hours hour. yeah it's I like think, the it's, it's like mark bernard or, or not mark but matt myra being like getting kevin smith to play all the arkham games as a live stream thing they're gonna do nice like um, each each one's gonna be its own what i did find interesting is that if you do have the playstation camera hooked up they will anytime that there's a um basically a cat scare you know jump scare oh, oh. throughout it that um they will photograph you in your reaction to it that's hilarious <laughs> which for me being a horror movie connoisseur, watching it and going, okay, in three, two, one, you know. So I probably, probably if they took, if I had my camera hooked up and everything, I would have been sitting there just looking bored as all get out. <laughs> where I was enjoying it and was actively involved, but it's just like, okay, I can tell that a <laughs> jump scare is about to happen because of the way they framed the image and the sound design. Yeah, all that stuff. Sound design is the like. After watching so many movies at this point, yeah, the moment you hear certain sounds, it's like jump scare. Well, so, and, and that's that's one of the things that I thought was interesting watching Ghostbusters again. Not to get into that, but during that opening sequence, which um, you with know, the library, right? Or not the op- whenever the Ghostbusters are first in the library, okay, and they're about to see it, and at one point you hear like a just like little piano. Q, and then it, well yeah. it's not even that it's just da 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 and Stan goes what's that and you know turns <laughs> at that point and I'm like okay that's like yeah. a nice little thing to well, increase and also the there's a there's a step like they take a step and it goes ding so yeah but yeah. just little stuff like yeah, that it, where you're like okay that's increasing the tension a little bit that's that's a nice little cue that they put in there but it's also it's not so obvious that it's like it's not like you hear, duh, well, jump scare. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> like jump I mean, it's, it's the same thing of watching movies now where you go, oh, they want me to be sad at this moment. So now sweeping score comes in and tears fall. Uh, yeah. And you're just like, just let the actors do their fucking job. You, you know what always impresses me is when like I hear really great music. Like uh, the first time I watched Love Actually, I was like completely surprised at how good this like 
it kind of took me out of the movie a little bit because the score was so good. I was like listening to the score and not watching the movie because I'm like, man, that, that's that's a really good music. Score. Uh, oh, it's a really good music. You're not talking about the track, the soundtrack, but the score. So. The, yeah, the, yeah, the actual, like especially like because the clarinet. Yeah, is the main instrument for a lot of that movie. I really love throughout that that movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, but like it's <laughs> one of those. Like I remember, I I remember because it totally took me out of the flow of the movie. Uh, yeah, there's another movie. It's where Jack Black, Jack Black, plays. Uh, no, I think his name a is composer. Jack he plays a composer, a film composer who be, befriends a lady and ends up becoming in a relationship. Do you remember what movie that is? The Holiday. Yes, the holiday. Yeah. <laughs> My wife loves that movie. The, he he meets up with Kate Winslet, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. switch homes with yeah Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz yeah, and Jude yeah, Law. Yeah. yeah, the score in that movie is fucking incredible. The movie, meh, it's a middle of the road. It's not great. It's not terrible, uh, but the score is over the top. Okay. Like the the guy, they definitely made sure that like. <laughs> if this guy's a film composer, then we're gonna we're gonna actually write real music, or otherwise, no one's gonna fucking believe this guy's a film um, composer. I can't remember if there's a Dustin Hoffman movie like Last Chance Jack or something like that, um, where he is the person who does the audio cues in movies, which and you get to see him working. And at that point, it was just like you know going to the Warren. Whenever they have their whole introduction, you know, the theater, be quiet, all that yeah. stuff, and just going like, oh, okay, I can see the person just playing the cymbals or playing the organ to, you know, get you to feel like you're in this scene. And yeah. all, all that, playing the xylophone whenever the, all the <clears throat> chicks are taking their um, feet <laughs> off of the back of the seats. And you're just like, okay, cool. Like, I I know what they're doing now, now that I've seen this yeah. thing. So, Skylar. What have you been consuming? Um, all right, I want to talk about Star Wars, but first, I've, I've been playing a lot of games, still collecting them. Uh, I read. What, what's your most favorite purchase you've done recently? Um, I finally got the Half Life Two Orange Box set. I haven't played it, but I got it for three dollars at a pawn shop. Wow, it's <laughs> pretty um, awesome. They put it for three bucks because it looked like I had a scratch, and it was just like a Half Life Two is the one where they did the first full on. They took the facial recognition engine that some psychology program had developed, hmm. and like put it into the because that that movie was in develop or the, sorry. Movie Half Life Half Life Two had that with like the eyes and oh, yeah, okay. like, like I don't I've never played any of the Half Life uh, games. I just remember seeing and the I just trailer bought, and being like, yeah. "Holy shit, this is yeah. wow!" Today I, I bought the first Half Life on the PS2 also, so I'm okay. going to start. So um, I'm getting there. Um, I also repurchased Dead Space One because I thought that game was really incredible when I first played it. I was like, this is a good horror game, yeah, and did. I haven't played a good one since Resident Evil 4 at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this has the atmosphere of, like, Alien and uh, some crazy Doom stuff thrown in. Yeah, it's like Event Horizon. Yeah, so, Event Horizon, yeah. It's Event Horizon meets the thing, sort of. And like that okay. aesthetic. Some of my favorite parts is just the sound in that game. We're talking about sound. You can hear, like, the... Space echoes, uh, like the lack of sound walking through like hallways when you have to breathe and use your oxygen tank. Yeah, and you, and you can hear. Can, like you can't hear anything except for like don't don't like pounding of your footsteps. 
zero gravity kind of floating but around you, and but stuff. But you're hearing inside the suit. Yeah. Like outside. You're, you can hear your, like you're shuffling around because you're carrying a lot of weight, like a heavy spacesuit. The guy is actually like a maintenance man. He's not like a soldier, but he kills all the aliens with like tools. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's Yeah, that's one of the cool things. Yeah, that. you're like dismembering limbs in that game and stomping on them with big worker boots. It's great. It sounds amazing. I will kill you with a wrench. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I'll just say it. Star Wars. Um, I don't want to get into a long thing because everybody's talked about it since it's come out because it's Star you, Wars. You can if you would like. All right. Um, just just let it out. That Star Wars, as far as movies go, is probably the most surprising and lovable movie of 2015 for me and i'm not just saying that because it's star wars but everything about it to me just um really just got back to my inner child and it doesn't leave me disappointed like the prequels did and in the long run i don't think it will either and probably what made it good enough like that for me is not the effects and all that which are wonderful but it's those characters in the movie and the writing i loved all the characters in that movie they were real like they had flaws and traits about them that were unique and they weren't like a bunch of stiffs walking around not like in the prequels which was the biggest thing like when mac when i heard when i read the tweets and watched videos of max lynn just talking about the characters weren't developed like did we watch the same movie (laughs) like don't get me wrong they it could always be deeper, but did we watch the same movie? Because I'm pretty sure most of the characters were pretty full. My favorite character is Ray, the girl. She oh, is yeah. wonderful. I thought Ray, the girl. Yeah, that's Star Wars. Yep, for you. the girl. <laughs> girl one of maybe five. Girl, girl or two something. of. Yeah. of, of, yeah. of yeah. I had to say I could th- I can think of <laughs> four right now. The because it's fucking Star Wars. People like technically um, five if you include uh, Captain the, Phasma. Oh yeah. No, that'd be six. What about the Admiral or the lady at the beginning of uh, Return of the Jedi? Is she one of the four? Well, no, I'm talking about only. In, oh, people that have names. Only in Force. Only in Force Awakens. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot actually this time. They really did do a good casting and put a lot of people in. The stormtrooper that Ray like makes open the door for her was actually um, James Bond. Yeah, Daniel Craig. Which was funny. Um, Simon Pegg was the alien that was giving her like portions of food. Yeah. That was cool. Um, BB-8 was Bill Hader. <laughs> and, and, uh, and someone else, I yeah, think. I can't remember his name. He also does noise. <laughs> he does sound design and noises. Yeah. And um, I just want to talk about the good parts. Because honestly, in my head, I'm not trying to be an apologist for anything bad in a movie. Because of course, there's always something... It's always flaws. But I can't nitpick it. I can't. Because it 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 just did a lot of stuff right. Even if it, people are really making mountains out of molehills saying it's so similar to A New Hope. But that's, that's really people trying to swing for the fences on arguing and make it like any little thing and I, they'll just put well, it down. And I felt like the whole movie was actually more like you got the a trilogy you got references to all three of the films in the original trilogy as opposed to just like a faithful uh, yeah there are beats 
Yeah. Right. But that's similar stuff. But in paper, like they're so trying to shoehorn in so many like things to connect it to the old movies. Not that much. Not compared to something like uh, on, oh god, I can't even think of anything like that. But honestly, the the only scene that I can think of that is dramatically better if you've seen re- the original trilogy is whenever Kylo Ren is talking to Darth, you know, is praying to Darth Vader essentially. Uh-huh. Because if you haven't seen it, you're like, okay, well, I've seen this Darth Vader character before. He was just pure evil, so this makes sense. And then if you, once you, whenever you've seen the original trilogy, you go, well, that totally discounts, you know, Darth Vader redeeming but yet, himself. But yeah. yet at the same time, nobody in the Star Wars universe except Luke, right, saw that. Right, but but it so. it makes it more interesting for yeah. us to go. Yeah. The the funny thing is, Kylo Ren is praying to Darth Vader to not be tempted by the light side when Darth Vader's yeah. final act was to give in to the light side. Which yeah. shows you, which could potentially be a reference to the fact that he will redeem himself. Yeah. I think I kind of think it might be... Someone else will go to the dark yeah. side, whether it's Finn or Rey or Poe or whoever. Finn was good. I like the idea of a stormtrooper, actually, more than a stormtrooper coming out to do something. But Kylo Ren was really interesting, too. And You mean, you mean Matt, the radar technician? <laughs> God, that was so funny. That was... I haven't laughed at an SNL skit in a long time, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, uh, I knew you were Kylo Ren at, at the... From, Come on, from, Matt. From Matt. <laughs> Come on, Matt. I want to eat my muffin. Hurry up. Quit pushing me. I, am a person I just read it to Kylo Ren, and he wanted me to give you this. <laughs> Somebody made a Matt the Radar Technician action figure. Yeah. Oh, my God. In the box, I saw That's it. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, 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 um, I want a Ray and a Matt the Radar Technician. The, no, see, the, my, there's a meme now where it's Kylo Ren holding out the hand, and... <laughs> That final shot of Ray, but she's holding a Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> and the final thing is Matt, radar technician. Um, <laughs> one of the I watched it today. Okay, for the fourth time, and the <laughs> there's the one fourth awakens. <laughs> the first time I watched the movie, the first moment that made me like, you can feel your eyes kind of water in the back where you almost want to tear up real quick, but you kind of suck it back in because you're like, no, I'm not going to cry. Because I'm a man. Yeah, well, okay, that's no, when Han... No, I just cried. That was when Han... I just get, I, get, I gave that yeah. up a long time ago. It, it, <laughs> it was when they met Han, and he turns around, and he goes, yeah, I knew Luke. You know, I was like, yeah. yeah. Okay, but the part, and every time now I've seen it, it still makes me almost want to... Uh, like right on the edge of like wanting to pop its tear out is when <laughs> pop its tear out. Yeah, is <laughs> when it's a boner. Is, yeah, I just popped a boner. It's <laughs> so sweet. It's, it's the part where Ray gets that lightsaber in her hand oh, yeah. the first time, and they play that score. Yeah, and awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, this. That's what it, I was like. I'm a kid. I feel like I'm a kid again watching Star Wars. Growing up, watching my old. VHS recordings of Star Wars, you know, um, and when and I love the fight. That lightsaber fight might be my second favorite or favorite at the moment, besides Empire. And I love it because it's so bad in a way. They're not trained. Yeah, they're all shittily trained. And they 
or and Kylo Ren's kind of going off well, of some old past that he's just like kind of well, like so Kylo Ren's so powerful. Yeah, he doesn't even know what to do with all of it. And she obviously you know? has some kind of train. She has a lot of secrets about her, which I'm real curious about. You know, um, but they're like kind of scruffy at fighting. They don't know what they're doing. The nerf herders. Yeah, the nerf herders. And that <laughs> was good. And Han Solo, spoiler, Han Solo, kicking the bucket. I mean, was Dave, Dave did that like yeah. in, like, <laughs> like literally like ten two, minutes into the podcast? Yeah. It's like Han's dead. <laughs> and, 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 and the funny thing is, is that we get to our actual Star Wars discussion. He goes, "Well, I'm not going to give any spoilers." I was like, "Dude, you already said Han is dead, like you know, and two hours ago." Yeah, yeah I, I kind of thought he was going to die before I saw the movie, and then later on, I found out they paid him the most out of all the actors to come back. And I think Han was like, okay, I got to die in this movie. Well, he wanted to die in episode six. Yeah. That was the original idea. He was supposed to. I mean, he was supposed to die from carbonite poisoning. George wanted to sell more toys and keep him around. But it was sad but perfect, and it made sense to me. And and anyone who commits that kind of... sin of killing somebody in a way. I mean, he crossed that line. He crossed that line. And... He wanted. Who did ask his father for help? <laughs> did you notice he changed his voice? He's like, like normal, and then he goes, he talks like Kylo Ren. I mean, <laughs> well, so I, I, um, one of the things I noticed is that whenever he meets Ray for the first time, uh-huh. his voice sounds exactly like uh, Hexus from Ferngully. <laughs> what, what a pretty girl! <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Hello, my name is Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that, that was the weird thing. Is that that, that's going to be the fan of it. Like, someone just takes It's so the, perfect, dude. Matt, the radar technician. <laughs> uh, Kylo, Kylo, you're, 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 in your, you're in your uniform. Oh, shit. <laughs> right. Never should have done this. God damn it. But anyway, my overall opinion on Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens is I love it. I give it an A. Uh, so, so I guess my question is, are, how do you feel about uh, Ryan Johnson coming in and doing the next one? Is he doing the the Rogue One episode no. eight? No. He's doing oh, oh, he's eight. doing eight. Gareth Edwards is doing episode, is doing Rogue One. <sighs> and okay. then the, the no, lost. No, no, no. Gareth, actually, Gareth, I'm good for. Um, it's the guy who's doing Godzilla. Is. No, no, it's the Godzilla. Oh, no, is. the guy who did the lost, the new Jurassic Park movie is doing nine. Yeah, but the guy who did. Godzilla is doing okay. Rogue, Rogue One. Okay, yeah. but but the thing is, we're getting like let me pull up the cast while I'm talking about. It, but we're getting a Star Wars X-wing battle heist film. Right, right, yeah. That's yeah. like, thing. do you know how excited I am about a Star War, about a sci-fi heist film? With Donnie Yen. <laughs> Donnie yeah, Yen's going to be in it, which is cool. With it motherfucking man. Donnie Yen mm-hmm. and, like, Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, shit. Really? Forrest Whitaker. Um, that one um, Spanish actor, he was in Itu Mama Tom Yen. I forgot his name. Uh, Diego Luna, maybe that's his name? Or I, think something. That, I think you're right. Yeah, I think I might. that might be his name. I might be wrong. Yeah. But he's a good actor. I like him. But, like, it's literally um, a cast of actors. Yeah. Like... Uh yeah, Diego Luna, yeah. Alan Tudyk, Alan Tudyk, fire mm-hmm. fucking fly. I know. Uh, um, Zhang Wen, uh, Ben Mendelsohn, me. See my yeah. 
But like, do you know how fucking like? I mean, all you had to say to me was Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. So your your question was, what do I think about the next one? Yeah, about well, about Ryan, and he's the one who made Looper he and did, he did Looper, Brick, Brick, and okay. Brothers Balloon. I'm I uh, am po- I'm I'm not doubting it or worried at all because I really think they can only go up from here. Yeah. And I think Lawrence Kazan isn't writing it, but I think the so script he's, he he's doing the Han Solo thing, and that's it. But he's still he's still he'll be like, around, I guess. Well, the thing is, was Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Lawrence Kazan are still the major producers, yeah. and they're listed. So like, they're gonna be like the people that say yes, no, yes, yeah. no. So and I think and JJ actually was like I wish I was directing number eight you know yeah. I, and it's the middle film where they can kind of give you the backstories and well, I'm just, I, I just, think it'll be good I just I, want more new that's yeah. what I want my I want my, more new my biggest worry is that it's going you know Nathan and I mentioned this just in a private phone conversation was we're kind of worried that they're just gonna continue to repeat to be hmm. too close to the source material because I mean I realized this after I got off the phone was. The thing I wanted was something more on the ground, something you know, not, not another Death Star, yeah. something more about the characters, which is fucking Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, <laughs> like to a T. I like, think yeah. uh, eventually it's going to come down. I just want to, new. Uh, I just want new. You, you know, the Knights of Ren, that whole thing. You're going to end up kind of getting a. Uh, characters like each one of them you might end up finding out about and they're going to fight them one-on-one well and, I, and it's, it's gonna that, i think that's my favorite part is for the first time i'm excited about speculating about what the next star wars movie is going to be yeah i haven't been excited it's a good, about speculating yeah it's a good star wars sequel to the original trilogy you know and it doesn't uh, over joseph yeah. campbell itself you know it doesn't try to fit the whole hero's journey yeah, into the first well, I movie. Mean, actually, the funny thing is, is that I was sitting there watching it, and there are specific points where it popped in my head. Oh, that's the meeting of the mentor. That's refusal of the call. You know, but it, but it, and also the fact that we don't actually meet the actual Obi Wan of the end of the movie until the end. Speaking of Obi Wan, final shot. Speaking of Obi Wan, I want to speculate one bit here. When she picks up the lightsaber in Maz Katana's bar. Um, the very last word you hear is small steps, and that's Ewan McGregor. He recorded a line. But you also hear the, um, who was, who? Alec Guinness. You hear him, you hear something he says, too, just like a word. And someone says you hear Yoda in there, but I don't remember hearing Yoda. But, yeah, supposedly you do hear but Yoda. But people are like, who is Rey? Who is Rey? She could be related to Obi Wan Kenobi or something oh, weird yeah. like that. Well, the the that's the, actually the one that I believe. The I kind of am le- leaning the towards one I, the that. one I saw that was super crazy. Was that she is the resurrection of Anakin? Um, Anakin. She's a clone. Well, she was. It, it it wasn't necessarily that. It was. That's the one I saw. Where she was made by the midichlorians, kind of. Yeah. That, immaculate whether, conception. Yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> I hope they don't fucking do that. Well, the thing was that it would tie into. Snoke and a couple other things, and it would explain why she has so much power. People think Snoke now could be Grand Moff Tarkin, yeah, or Darth Sidious. No, 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 no. Um, I, I, yeah, it was the guy who was able to defy death. That Darth Sidious. Yeah, so Darth Sidious was the one that I just heard about the Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, The one that I saw was is uh, recently uh, was uh, Darth Vader. Mm. That it's fucking Anakin. 
Well, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that because the scars are similar on their yeah. faces. Hmm. So, in the end, Star Wars, great movie. Um, everyone hates it now, but not everyone. See, if you go and you read comments on the internet and you hear a lot of people hating it, that's actually kind of a small minority, and it's just people wanting to get out there it's and just, just and well, hate. I mean, that that's one of those things is that right, the, like, two days before, like, Thursday night, one of... Um, one of my former friends on Facebook just set me posted the spoiler about Han. Yeah, my f- and it, and it was just like, hope you didn't look at the picture. Like I'm just scrolling through my feed. Of course, I'm gonna have see the picture before I see you say, "Hey, don't look at this." My friend happened. To, the first thing he did was check his Facebook and spoiler. Man, I drinking his coffee. That's why I really did. I, I avoided. I have. I've I mean, it's too. one of those where I, w- you know, we talked about this on the December sixth, you know, podcast. Was I'm not. I wasn't planning on seeing it the first week it was out. See, and I, I knew I was going to see it on Sunday, kind of thing. I, I, I ended up going to see it on Sunday uh, after I dropped. Monday. It was Monday, wasn't it? I basically ended up kind of breaking down at that point and just going, screw it. Dropped the kids off. I'm gonna go see it now. You know, got to see it in Tinseltown XD 3D. That's all that what we stuff. did. That's what we did on Friday night. And uh, my favorite day of the week to go to movies is a Friday because Saturday is just always super packed everywhere. To me, and yeah, I get claustrophobic sometimes around crowds. I don't know. So it's, it's unless just I'm at a concert. Well, my favorite has become like Monday or Wednesday because <laughs> nobody's fucking there. Well, yeah. see, that's whenever I went to. You know, one of those days where I just I went to go see Creed and went, ah. you know, it's one of those where I was hanging out at the Big Short hoping somebody else would show up because I don't know I don't know if they just run the movies anyway. Sometimes they do, but sometimes no, it's all digital. Oh, yeah, no. a lot of the times they'll just turn it, you know, save it for a while, you know, whatever. So I was just if like, nobody buys if if literally nobody buys a ticket, I think they don't, but. <laughs> if some if one ticket is bought, even if it the person doesn't show up, I think they still play. Right. So I, I hung out until I saw some people go in and went, Okay, cool. I'm gonna go buy some concessions, come back, you know, whatever. And um that's whenever I went to go see the big short. And so the last time I went to the theater I was like, Is there anything else playing? No? Okay, you know. What you know, I've seen kinda everything I wanna see. I'm yeah. gonna go see the Revenant with my parents, so Yeah. Oh, did you want to talk about the Revenant? One real quick. Revenant's a great movie. Uh, Leo does a good performance in it. I guess Oscar worthy. I he should have won a while back, I think. But you know, this is one that they'll probably give to him. I think. Honestly, if, I don't think most not, of uh, at least for act. I don't know it. You know, the Academy really likes those other kind of roles that try to break boundaries, like. Eddie Redmayne playing a, uh, I don't know if he's a transvestite in Danish Girl or, I, I don't know. My my thing is Something, basically, I, I thought Leo did okay. Like, I liked the movie overall. It kept me involved for the, you know, two hours and 36 minute runtime. Oh, yeah. But. My wife was sick during the movie, too. She was, she didn't tell me until we were leaving. I was sick. I felt sick the whole time. I'm like, why didn't he tell me? We could have left. <laughs> yeah, but but it's one of those that I was involved, but I didn't think that Leo did anything that was nothing we haven't seen about him do before. Like it didn't seem like it was actually 
Oscar worthy. You know, when he uh, did What's Eating Gilbert Grape, he was nominated back then, I thought, for uh, Best Supporting Actor. Still not getting anything, though. And that was a wonderful movie. That's one of my favorite Johnny Depp movies where he's just playing a good person, you know, like a good role. Um, my uh, wife knows a person who, uh, who's Pawnee who helped do the Pawnee language for the movie. Nice. In The Revenant. And I was telling Nathan earlier, um, the actor who plays Leo's son in the movie. Right. He is the cousin of one of my best friends from college. And on Instagram, my best friend put a picture up of all of them at the premiere. Like a whole bunch of guys, uh, cousin, all a bunch of Indian guys all holding, holding shoulders with that kid in the middle. They're all real big guys too. And he's, I think he's from like the Northwest coast area. He's a, some, he's a tribe from up that area. So maybe that's where that boy's from. Yeah. I just, what I liked about the film, the film, the sound design, the hearing of the tree swaying. I mean, and the thing is, is all except for one scene they used completely. Yeah. And it was great. Like uh, what Stanley Kubrick movie? Words. Barry Lyndon. I haven't seen it. Don't look at me. You don't know me. You're not my real dad. Yeah, I've talked about this, guys. God damn it. Have you seen uh, Barry Lyndon, Skyler? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking movie that prove that quote unquote according to conspiracy theorists proves the conspiracy that Stanley Kubrick filmed the moon landing because he got to use special NASA lenses lenses to film completely entirely with natural light. Nice. The only thing they used was light from the sun and candlelight. That is it. There is no other lighting sources in the movie. Um, with The Revenant, there was one scene with a fire that was the wind <laughs> was going through. and um, That was CG? No, no. What they did... Oh. The wind was coming in and making it flicker oddly. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You were you were talking yeah. the other way. Yeah, it, not, it, it was making the it was making it flicker oddly on people's faces. So they basically just did a ring of light bulbs around the fire so that it would give the base glow of it and kind of counteract the flickering. Hmm. But that was there. That was only one scene in the entire movie that didn't use natural, completely natural lighting. Wow. I heard it was a hard shoot. A lot of people were seven getting, months, getting mad. According to Donald, according to Donald Gleason, Donald, yes, yeah, who like in real life didn't die that way. Well, the in in real life, and Tom Hardy's character didn't die either, right, like that. But, but he also Leo's character didn't have a son. Yeah. So, but it's also, a movie. It's, it's, it's a, a not. There's it's a, a creative nonfiction book, well, right? It's a, it's a novel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's. It's a f- piece of fiction. It's not a creative and movie. It just um, uses... It's based on a true story. Glass was actually scalped by the bear in real life, too. That bear attack was cool, by the way. Um, almost pretty pretty realistic looking, I thought. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my favorite little tidbit is that before it came out, one of the uh, early review things, or the ratings board or whatever, said that he was raped by a bear. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a mama bear. Uh, <laughs> no. and it's like, um, no, just continue to get mauled by the bear. Yeah, the director's like, who's that idiot that said that? No, he's not raped by a bear. What's so funny is like the the fact that he was attacked by the bear. Like people were like, the bear, the bear loses, and I'm like, yeah, in the trailer he's wearing the fucking bear skin. <laughs> okay, so overheard 
at the um, Revenant as I was walking out, my favorite thing was behind me was a like teenage couple, and the one girl goes, "That was heartbreaking." It wasn't heartbreaking. Yes, it was. Those poor bear cubs. <laughs> those poor CGI bear cubs. <laughs> yes, those poor CGI bear cubs are going to have to live without their poor CGI mother now. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, they'll be all right. <laughs> that, that's probably the best thing I've heard in quite some time. The, um, the that's, that's like <laughs> back when Titanic was coming out and people... Man, uh, I can't. Man, it's gonna be really interesting to see the the ship sink. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there wasn't spoilers. Thanks for ruining the movie. Yeah, um, spoilers weren't really a thing at that point. Yeah. The um, thanks River Song. The costumes in the movie were great too, and I'll say costumes because it's a movie. But like in, like if you go up to a, I just made a terrible. If you talk sense. to like Native Americans and you're at a powwow and they're wearing their Outfits. It's called regalia or or outfits, but you don't ever call them costumes because they kind of not cosplay. It's real life. They spend a lot of time making it. Like mine, I have a fancy dance outfit, and took months to make that thing. I'm kind of wondering, like when. So, but they did a really good job of showing kind of like what real outfits back then would look like, especially natives who live in the real mountainous areas and like having to take that those furs and. You know, either take the fur off or wear the fur or wear the pelts, you know. Um, like the ones, some of them had buffalo headdresses, which were pretty realistic looking, you know. That was very good. That that detail, that attention to detail, I respect that a whole lot. That was really in the whole opening attack scene, too, where they're the, those. Well, uh, the, yeah, and the, the, the one thing I will say it's the tribe. Know, they call them Reed. You're not going to be surprised by this at all. Yeah. It's in Ritu. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of tracking shots. What? Yeah. <laughs> I never would have believed that. Yeah, it's just... I can't believe the camera follows people. That doesn't make any sense. I'm completely shocked. Literally, the, like, I hadn't watched Birdman in a while, and it was on HBO, and I, and it was like the middle of the movie, completely enraptured oh, all yeah. over again, every time. Yeah. Completely just like, beautiful as soon as the tracking shots like started i was like oh this is okay and then it's like from what he's talking about like it's jumping between this character then moving to this like it's just trading off characters that you follow for a little bit until you get to a certain scene and then it cuts finally but i was watching the entire time like oh shit when's it gonna cut when's it gonna cut when's it gonna it's still going. It's still, fuck. Fuck. Wonder. Wonder. <laughs> this is a wonder, guys. Yeah. We're watching a wonder. <laughs> just kind of want to st- step up. Guys, pay attention. <laughs> wonder. Great filmmaking. Great no filmmaking. Cuts. No cuts. <laughs> Are you looking for the cut? Not going to find one. Back to the Boogie Nights thing that I talked about on the last podcast. Yeah. But, uh, like, that was the incredible part that I'd forgotten. Yeah. Was how many different scenes are one takes? How many yeah, different the, the ones? Whole, um, um, the pool party. William H Macy, his whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah, with the while while the the party. Yeah. But also, even when he's uh, talking to the the direct the lighting guy for the pornos, and like they're still <laughs> like fucking in the back background, like way in the background, and uh, but also, I mean, the pool party. 
that's like a that is almost eight full minutes like it is a complete fucking reel of film like like i feel like it's more complicated than the the opening in a way like as far as the density of like you follow into the pool like into the pool it ends going into the pool the fucking waterproof camera going into the pool coming out of the pool following one character going around you know yeah. like Right. Like, I was like, this is even more virtue. Like, I feel like we need to do a redux one day of the <laughs> oneers as we re- as we go back through movies. Because, yeah. like, holy shit. I, I, I really think 2015 had some great, great films in it. Uh, well, really I great. I feel like great. the filmmaking of movies is going up even while the quality of story is going drastically down. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. goddamn, Terminator Genesis... But fuck if I remember the plot at this point. Oh, come on. But I remember shots. Nice to see you. I, I, I remember really excellent shots. Really powerful, like, move, you know. There's stuff I remember from that movie. I shouldn't. It was a fucking piece of shit. Right. But I remember stuff. But there's movies I've watched. I don't remember anything about them, you know. Is that, is that your... That, that's it. Yeah. So, uh, Nathan... What you got? Uh, I want to talk about a little movie that we've heard about uh, happening called The Death of Superman Lives. Oh, my. Yes. Did uh, you actually watch it? Yeah. <gasps> it's on uh, Showtime On Demand, I think. Uh, it, it was on the cable. The cable to the box, to the On Demand. Uh it's uh, directed by John Schnepp, who I have no idea how involved he was in Adult Swim. He worked on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. He directed. He directed two. Di- he co-directed two different episodes of Upright Citizens Brigade. He directed thirty-four episodes of Metalocalypse. Okay. And he de- co-directed and/or directed episodes on the fourth season of Venture Brothers. He also worked a little bit on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Um, but the thing is, is it's a, another f- movie that never got made, but we went back through the development hell of it. Right. Where, uh, Yodorowsky's Dune, they go actually through Yodorowsky's notes and Yodorow- and Mobius's production art. Uh, this is the Tim Burton Superman movie. Right. Uh, initially, uh, first draft was written by Kevin Smith. He's talking With about the giant it. spider. Yeah, I mean, it's the reason why I wanted to watch the movie is to hear the other side of his story, you know? Right. Which is really funny listening to John Peters talk about anything because you can just tell he's a fucking lunatic the whole time. Um, his perfect hair. Does he have perfect hair forever? I no no I mean like. It, like I can't believe how perfect this guy like makes his hair. As he used to be a hairdresser, hairdresser, so that was his whole thing. Was he was, you know, Barbara Streisand's hairdresser. Um, I like this genre of the failed movie documentary, whether they it got made or not. You know, I'm right. I'm, I'm greatly enjoying this this series of documentaries because I'm a huge behind the scenes kind of. Uh, it was really great to see a lot of the production design uh, that went into this movie. 
the biggest thing that happened to this movie is the fact that it was literally in pre-production for two years. Okay. So there are hundreds of sketches, hundreds, like hundreds of designs. It went from one group to another group. Some people stayed the whole time through. Other people didn't. Um, a lot of the concepts for visual effects and stuff, I was I was really fascinated with the stuff you get to see in this movie. Uh, but the interviews, specifically with John Peters, Kevin Smith, are interesting. Tim Burton... I can't. I, I mean, I don't know the guy. The guy really seems out of touch with everything. He did. He literally says in the movie, "What year is it?" We're still talking about this. Well, you know. But the but the movie opens with a little monologue by John Chip. But what really what really takes you by the by the horns is the fact that apparently Brian Singer used to go around when he was trying to get X Men made. And show the picture of Nicolas Cage in the Superman costume. An early picture of an early costume. And it's a Polaroid. And uh, would go, hey, this almost happened. Look what you almost did. And the bookend of the movie is John Shep talking about like, hey, it's a later production costume. And he's like, look, look what almost happened. It's the reverse of like, don't you want to see this now? Right, yeah. Like. I mean, that's the entire basis of Yodorovsky's Dune. Yeah. Is, holy shit. Yeah. This almost happened. Yeah. And you want to know, like, so close to happening that all of it got turned into other movies. Right. Yeah. Whether it was Alien or whether it was... Even showing up and still showing up in Prometheus. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff showing up in Blade Runner. Right. That had been developed for fucking Yodorovsky's Dune. Stuff in Alien that was developed for your stuff in Dune, in the fucking <laughs> David Lynch Dune that shows up. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, there's a bunch. I, of met, I met Mick Jagger at the party. Yeah. I said. And I was like, I want you to be in my movie, and he said yes. <laughs> Salvador Dali as the Emperor. Uh, you know, could you imagine how? I hate like I hate to speculate because it's terrible. <laughs> to speculate all the time but it's okay we have 297 hours we can record imagine how oh, so so imagine how big alien was and imagine if yoroski's dune had happened how fucking big that the designs and the style and the cult the cult status that yoroski was already at right in the 70s and like that's the first you know that's where gig also, Star Wars. I mean, if Yodorovsky's Dune have, had happened, we might have not gotten Star Wars. Because some of the people who worked on pre-production immediately went into Star Wars. Once once Yodorovsky's Dune didn't happen. Okay. Like, they weren't, they weren't necessarily in the pre-visualization, but they were in pre-production. Trying to get it made. Right. Uh... I mean, there were, there's so many movies that wouldn't have happened, or or movies that wouldn't have happened the way we, we've seen them today, but at the same time, it's like this great myth, you know, it's a mythical film, you right? Know? Yeah. And in some ways, it was really great. The sad part is okay, is having watched Man of Steel, I want Superman lives. 
See, my thing is, is you know, I, I, I enjoy Man of Steel. The thing I want from, I want the fan edit of Man of Steel where they do the color restoration. Yeah, I want that. I also want the entire 40 minutes of Krypton. I know so many people hated fucking Krypton. But for me, that was the only interesting part of that movie. Well, I think I, I told my, like, my mother has been um, complaining about Batman v Superman. But it's the whole, it's, it's the quintessential, why are they fighting? They yeah. shouldn't be fighting. Yeah, pretty much. And they shouldn't be. Well, I, I'm trying to explain it to her, and I gave her the Dark Knight Returns Blu-rays, and, you know, g- trying to go through and explain to that, and I let, I actually bought Man of Steel so she'd finally watch it. And I said, you're, you're, you're worried about all the weirdness that is going on? Watch the opening with Krypton. Like That's my favorite part of that movie. But, right, but they're getting into all that weirdness now with, you know, the you know actually putting Green Lantern into that universe, yeah, and all the stuff that's now going to start blowing out from that. It's like you can see all the weirdness start with Krypton there. Like yeah. they, they basically just kind of went, "Hey, they're fucking aliens. We're yeah. we're we're gonna get weird in the future if this is successful." And they Appar- are apparently, uh, according to David Goyer, I, uh, on the Nerdist Writers Panel, which is a great podcast. It's now just called the Writers Panel. I do not remember if they completely broke off from Nerdist or not, but uh, if you check out the Writers Panel with Ben Blacker, uh, there's a recent interview with with David Goyer, and uh, he talks about how like Krypton, like they designed a bunch of monsters, a bunch of creatures, a bunch of animals, a bunch of biology. Apparently, there were supposed to be forty minutes. Okay. 40 minutes of fucking Krypton. 40 minutes. Right. I want my 40 minutes of Krypton to save me from the fucking terrible fucking ending sequence that I had to sit through. Um, but the thing is, is, in Superman Lives is where they touch on the fact that, like, he's an outsider. You know? He's an alien. Like, they're actually dealing with the alien where he can't really blend in. No matter how hard he tries, everything's always awkward. And I feel like Nick Cage would have really captured that. <laughs> like, because he had, he's kind of like, look, look at all the stupid choices he made in Ghost Rider. The fucking martini glass full of jelly beans. I mean, you know. I, 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 actually, I really actually like the second. Ghost Rider. I still haven't seen that one. I mean, that one's actually interesting because it's done by the, the brothers who did Crank. Okay. So it's got a much more... Action. Yeah. And he, I just go- saw he, the... he goes even fucking crazier. I just saw the pissing fire in the trailer and I was just like... What the fuck is this movie? It's done by the brothers who did Crank. Which I... The first... Did they do the first and second one? I don't know. I'll check for you. Because... Uh, I've wanted to watch the second one because I've, I've in the trailer there are really crazy angles, and I really want to look at the cinematography. Yeah, because because literally they rollerblade after people and do all that stuff. They do handheld camera themselves. Wow, because like there's this one shot where he's doing the where he has the car battery hooked up. I remember from the trailer because I haven't actually seen it, obviously. <laughs> but he he puts the and the, like it's a fucking fisheye lens. 
but it's but it's a fisheye lens like right by his fucking face so you can see the depth of field going all the way to the concrete yes it is them. okay then okay I'll, I'll i need to watch crane too then and then okay now i have now now i'm intrigued <laughs> you know because that fucking first one was so fucking bad oh god it was terrible it was. Yeah, they did uh, Crank, Crank 2, Gamer, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, and the Vatican Tapes, which came out last year. Which... So I've literally seen Crank. That's the only movie I've seen there. And I, ha- I actually haven't even seen the Crank movies. I've I've just seen the first one. I've just seen Spirit of Vengeance, and it's, it's interesting what he does because it gets weird. I'm, I'm very intrigued by their style of cinematography. That, that's the thing that makes me interested in their movies. I mean, here's the here's the other thing. Idris Elba is in Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm sold. Right, <laughs> uh, but I just I love the fact that there are these movies who that we now can go back through and kind of dig through the archives and be like, what's good about this? Right. And then hopefully, hopefully, it influences filmmakers in the future being like, hey. Take that idea and run with it. Then nobody's using it. Yeah, nobody's fucking using it, and nobody's ever going to use it in a Superman movie. So <laughs> let's do it in our fucking movie. See, um, that's one of those things. There's certain movies like um, Darkness Falls. I don't know if you ever saw no. that. The first five minutes, amazing, like creepy as fuck, nightmare-inducing sort of awesomeness. The rest of the movie, complete shit. Wow. But the first five minutes, you're like, holy shit, like, this is awesome. And that's the type of thing that that you need, you know, it's like, okay, it was probably a really good short film. Like Pixels? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. It was a fucking really great short film. I watched the short film and I was like, "Yeah, this is incredible. This makes perfect sense. Because you want to know what? It doesn't question itself. Right. It doesn't go... Man, we really need motivation for this character. I wa- I watched the Cinema Sins because I did not watch. I was not going to actually sit through Pixels. Right. It was never going. To. I haven't sat through a recent Adam. I haven't sat through an entire Adam Sandler movie since Little Nicky. Um. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. I take that back. I did watch uh, the Who's My Boy, or the one with Sam I, I Andy Samberg. I so. And, I, I Only because of Andy Sandberg did I see that entire movie. I haven't seen movie. anything since You Don't Mess with the Zohan. And I still haven't seen Zohan. I also watched Love Guru. Why? <laughs> I saw the trailer and I was like, not watching that piece of shit. I don't need to see Mike Myers being a racist. Okay, uh, so, I mean, and it's essentially the same thing with You Don't Mess with the Zohan. Yeah, but the the one thing, the one idea as a retail manager that I really like is that there's a whole bunch of, you know, uh, Middle Eastern people that are have stores that are literally named going out of business. <laughs> okay, that's a good joke. So, you know, stu- stuff like th- that that I liked in there, but it is a really, both of them are stupid movies. There were things that I did like about The Love Guru. I couldn't tell you what one of them was. But I liked it at the time. I laughed at some yeah. of the stuff. But did uh, have you seen the Red Letter Media Jack and Jill? 
have a, I, I, I start, Red Letter Media is the ones who did the Phantom Menace stuff, right? Yes. I started to watch that and kind of went, this is annoying, and turned it off and never checked it Okay, so the the actual, um, the Mr. Plinkett stuff, I know some people are big fans of it. I'm kind of whatever on it. Right. But Half in the Bag, which is just them specifically reviewing movies, the two guy, two main guys, uh, they drink beer, and they do like kind of scenes with hammy acting, and then they just like sit and talk about the movie. Right. And then there's some hammy acting, but like, I that's that's the thing to watch on Red Letter Media is Half in okay. the Bag. So, but they have one of about Jack and Jill that basically is like they call Adam Sandler on everything tropes uh basically creating a fucking pyramid scheme <laughs> that that basically he's a giant scam artist Lovely. of movies because there's no reason for that movie to have been an 80 million dollar budget <laughs> right. other than the atrocious paychecks that people got for making that movie <laughs> um well, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's one of those. Um, apparently, the cobbler is another one of those that. Yeah, it was the. It was right before he signed the Netflix deal. Right, and hopefully Netflix has an escape clause based off everything I heard about the ridiculous Ex- six. Except supposedly the ridiculous six is the most watched movie on Netflix ever. Yeah, because they it got completely lambasted. Like even my dad was talking. The funny thing is, my dad was stand, standing there while I was browsing Netflix, telling me that it wasn't on the. There was no way to find it. And I'm looking at it right on there, going like, "Hey, this is the new releases. Like it's, it's still right the, there. It's still right there." Yeah, they're just putting out this PR campaign that they took it off. Right. But it's still right there. Yeah. And I, I was like, "This is a fucking." viral PR campaign because they want to make f- some money off this fucking movie. Right. Uh, so, that was uh, Death of, definitely check out Death of Superman Lives. Also, if you've never watched Metalocalypse, definitely check that out. <laughs> Metalocalypse is uh, beast. So, the next thing I wanted to mention was I just read a short story collection by George Saunders uh, who also he he's written three short story collections. Um, and some non-fiction and stuff. But it's called 10th of December. It's from 2013. It's uh, 10 stories. Uh, it was the book he wrote after he won the uh, MacArthur Genius Award, the Million Dollar Award. Um, so the most interesting thing about it is he goes back and forth between kind of realistic fiction and speculative so it's there's nothing anything there's not there's only one story that's kind of direct sci-fi as far as speculative fiction but it ties into another story it's it's basically these people who are testing drugs but they're all criminals but they have these like packs but all the drugs are like specific emotions or specific things and uh but the the main reason to read it, no matter what, is if you haven't read the short story, Sticks. It's a piece of flash fiction that's really only two pages long. It really teaches you the art of really skillful, crafted story. Like where you can literally tell 
a novel's worth of stories. A novel's worth of stories. A novel, or sorry, a novel worth of story in two pages. And execute it well and not feel unsatisfied. Like, I've read that story ten times at this point. It's it's incredible every time I read it. Do you have a cigarette after each time? I, I wish I could. I should probably rub one out after. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, is the very first story, if, it, if the very first story, which is called Victory Lap, if that one doesn't hook you, it comes from three different overlapping points of view. It starts out as a girl who's a dancer who lives in one house, the kid across the way who's a who's a high schooler, uh, who's a runner, and then there's a kidnapping. And you actually see it from the kidnapper's perspective. And it's if, if the first one doesn't hook you, then I don't know what will, but the main story, which is the longest story in there, is called The Simple Girl Diaries. Uh, the so the Simplica Girl Diaries, which is uh, it, it does a very good job of parsing out information over the course of the entire story. He doesn't set up the exposition like all directly. It is very you get bits and pieces slowly. What is really impressive about the Simplica Girl Diaries specifically is the fact that. The actual narrating character is not a very good writer. <laughs> okay. It's his diary. He doesn't use the word I at all in the entire in the entire story. There's no I. Okay. But it's from one character's point of view in his diary. <laughs> film I've seen without being a vampire film ever <laughs> I it's I, I mean I, I shouldn't say ever but it harkens back to the silent days of like just great storytelling you know over right. uh, overall completely and uh, but that's what I've been consuming okay well I think that's going to do it for dubious consumers what we made it to 29 episodes (laughs) yeah it only took us about a year and a half hey that's better than some people yeah some people make like three episodes and that's all they ever make um so we did lose skylar 
in the process. You had to go home. Yeah, it's it it it's late. my wife. My wife is still suffering, sitting over on the couch. She she's reading. Yeah, she's but, reading. But she's reading the, the, the Bulgakov plays that I got her uh, for Christmas that took like four weeks after Christmas to arrive. Nice. You know, I ordered them at the beginning of December. It took fucking nine weeks because it came from fucking. Uh, Fuck. It came from Germany. Leipzig came from Leipzig. Sorry, came from Leipzig, Germany. It was an it's an English translation. <laughs> I did not mean to order it from Leipzig, but it was the most affordable one on Amazon. Of course, yeah. so yeah. You, you get what you pay for. Uh, if you have not Nine read weeks. anything by Mikhail Bulgakov, who wrote the Master of Margarita, check him out. Check him out. Just since I, since we brought, since I'm bringing Aaron into this mess, that is the podcast. Podcast got so meta. Mm. So, um, you can find Skylar online at Eat Dogs on Instagram. It's the locked. only. It's the only place you can find Skylar. Yeah, so it, it's locked. Good so luck. Good luck. I'm trying to talk him into a Twitter account. Yeah, we'll see. 140 characters might be too much for him. <laughs> How much do I have to put? Just post pictures. I, yeah, that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. Um, Nathan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Dubious uh, on the Dubious Consumers Facebook page, if I could speak today. Um, and then you can also find me on Twitter at Nate Wad. You can also find me on the Dubious Consumer Twitter page, which is dubious at Dubious Consumer. There's no S. Sorry, too many characters. Too many characters. Uh, fucking goddamn. The Twitter uh, CEO said that he was even thinking about extending the limit because 140 characters is too small. Like, <laughs> wow. The thing you built your brand on. Good job. Uh, but, and you can find me on Tumblr at Nate Watt Neutron. So, Justin, have you prepared... The litany of places people could probably just Google your name for. Um, words. Um, I do have a book out. It's called Of Gods and Madness, The Faithful. You can find it at bit.ly forward slash O-G-A-M-T-F. Or O-G-A-M-T-F. O-G-A-M. So um, you can also find me at justindheard.com, justindheard.net, justinheard.com, dubiousconsumers.net, dubiousconsumers.com. Uh, let's see. Facebook.com forward slash real Justin D. Heard. Google Plus, Justin D. Heard author, I believe. Does that even exist anymore? I, be- I, I Plus.Google. I don't know. Something don't like know. that. Words. Um, I'm on Pinterest. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Tumblr. I'm I'm wherever. Yeah, I'm everywhere. I'm on Twitter. Yeah, that's Justin D. Heard. Yeah. Everywhere. Just look for if, Justin if you D. Put, Heard. If you put Justin D. Heard close to your face, he'll appear. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like Bloody Mary. It, he's and, like uh, the Candyman. Yeah, Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Hook guy, go away. <laughs> Tony Todd, don't need you here right now. Philip Glassgore, stop. <laughs> so, um, I guess, Nathan, do you have any final thoughts? Do you have any final thoughts? I mean, fuck. The, uh, we've already used that one. Um... Uh, Fuck, fuck, motherfucker, fuck, 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 noise, noise, noise. Um, Smoking weed. Wait, 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 wait. There was a guy who was a poet in 
in Tulsa. It was uh, it was the end of his. It was he had the series of Walmart poems, and it was like, uh, cunt smelling jelly shit hell motherfucking father jacking off in your soup kind of fuck. Uh, Journey. <clears throat> I just want to punch every member of Journey in the face. <laughs> well, from like I had I had to tell I had to tell so they were like. I Don't punched. stop Leo was on and I was just like, God, I fucking hate Journey. And he was like, why? And I just had to go, I don't know. I just hate it. I hate Def Leppard more than Journey. No. I, I, I disarmed that drummer I again. Hate Journey. <laughs> I hate Journey so much. From from I what hate, I've heard, I hate people shit. hated Journey in the 80s too. Yeah. And then for some reason in the mid-aughts, it became the bar song. Yeah, because it was literally the song some asshole would play at one in the fucking morning, and everybody knows the words, right? So everybody sings along, and then it goes from everybody singing along to everybody liking the song because they can sing it in giant groups, right? And I then mean, it was on Glee and Sopranos. Well, I mean, then that's honestly that's how a lot of my favorite songs have gone is me being like, man, fuck this motherfucking song, and then. I listen to it enough that I'm like, this is actually a good song. And then I'm broken. Yeah, yeah. you ever like get high and you're like, yeah. man, I actually really like Good Charlotte in Lincoln Park. And then you're like later on like, what happened? I, I did find it funny. I will never because like Good Charlotte. <laughs> I, I do find it funny because I, you know, I do karaoke way too much. That first Lincoln Park is um, all right. Re- 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 reanimation is where I, what I like. There's one song on the first Lincoln Park album. Was it something in my head? A place for my head? Something. Um, that song was cool because it had different song structures and it didn't sound like anything. Okay, else. the only Linkin Park song I like is on the Hands of Boy Modeling School White People album, and oh, they they just happened to randomly be on it, and they had nothing to do with the production or mm-hmm. recording or music, actual music part of it. They just wrote some lyrics, and rap and one the you know one guy rap, one guy sang. That was it. Right. And like that's the only thing that I like, and it's it's a song about the transition of rock and roll, uh, rap, and its influence on rock and roll. That's what it's about. That's what the song so, is about. So, so I, I I did find it funny doing karaoke. I managed to get onto the guy's computer while he was singing a song, and he was just like, "Yeah, get on. You're you're here enough. You know how this works." So I added a Nickelback song from their second album when they. It was not I, the I one. I want to punch you right not now. Not the one I wanted to, but it was Leader of Men, which is an actual decent song from them. Before, I'm not, I'm before not so, there bef- there isn't one. Yeah, because everyone, I, I have a I have a theory. Even the worst people, right? There's one good one, right? I mean, just by sheer chance, <laughs> right? Just, 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 just by the fact that you know, if you have nine fucking albums, there's got to be one good song. Right. One. One. I'm not going to give you more than one. So so th- this is the w- the one good karaoke song oh. that they have. I'd say they do have more than one, but I, you know, not past the Silver Side Up album. Even Creed had one good song, but Nickelback, I don't think they have one good song in their repertoire, man. Okay, so this might be going on to the B side so that I can right. uh, <laughs> and, and it, start it with the Eagles and end it with Nickelback. There you go. Just to make you guys hate I did, this like, episode. What's his name from the Eagles on his solo album? No, Heart, Joe Walsh. He did Heart of the Matter. And, Dude, Joe, uh, Joe Walsh was incredible. An incredible performer. His solo albums are good. Uh, the 
the James Gang with uh, Funk Forty Nine, all that stuff. Actually, that should be the opening of this. Is Funk Forty Nine? I'll I'll put it. I'll take it under advisement. James Gang. Uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna force people to listen to music, it should be good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so real real quick, and then I'll let you finish your um, James yeah. Gang thing. But um, the guy has vetoed Nickelback for me previously, where I've tried to do Nickelback. He's like, fuck you. And so I s- sneak this song in. And I'm like, you know, it shows in the style of Nick back. He's like, you motherfucker. Then he looks at the song and goes, you fuck you. And then he picks up the microphone and sings back up for me on. He's like the one fucking song I like of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Like <laughs> you're like, you son of a bitch. Dude, I cannot get high enough in high school and like them, man. Even riding in a car with Joe Fro. Oh, man. This guy, he's all... Never was a blind man. Whatever that one song was. How you remind me? And I was like, so the song Argh! that's on the second album that was also a single. That's literally this is how you remind me. <laughs> Number two. Oh, to that the, was like photograph or something. Yeah, I can't remember where you can literally play them simultaneously, yeah, yeah, and the only thing photograph. different is the words. Yeah. The only <laughs> thing different. The fucking symbol hits are in the same places. The guitar chords change to the exact same. Yeah. Like everything is exact. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. So so, that's that would be that'd probably be their third or fourth album. They had because the second album is the one where they actually got successful, right? Technically, it's the third. Whatever. The second, so the the one I like is actually called the State, and there's some good tracks on there. That's when they were just on Roadrunner. They weren't like Roadrunner Universal. Or yeah, whatever. something like that. Yeah. yeah. So that that's where they have several good songs on there. They were just a Canadian the, right jock rock band. Right, and then they moved. Then they then they moved over into superstar status somehow. Yeah. And they were stoned off a stage in like Rio, man. They didn't care. Man. No. That video is cool, by the way. <laughs> Excuse. So we ready to get going? Uh, we've been ready. We just I know, got, but uh, Skylar's not on the mic. He wait, pushed his to the side. Oh, okay. So let's get this shit started.